glad to hear you guys clapping for that one. <laughs> um, it's just sweet to be with you all tonight. My name is Lehua. Um, my family and I have been coming to K2 for a lot of years, and I currently sit on the board with um, several of the people sitting amongst you as well. So um, it is just a pleasure to be here tonight uh, with you. And Dave asked me if I would say the prayer before his message tonight. Um, sexuality, especially in our um, world today, in our city, is just such a huge, heavy topic. And so, um, yeah, I just love to pray for us as we prepare to hear the message and for knowing that God as our creator desires so much to love us and to know us and for us to know him. Um, and sexuality isn't a reason for that to not be true. And so, um, yeah, I just invite you to pray with me for a moment. Lord, I just, I open up by just asking you to give us each a second to breathe and to invite your Holy Spirit into the room with us. Lord, I ask for our hearts to open for us to remember our love with you, to feel the power of your goodness. Lord, I even ask for a moment for us to, to come to you, to envision if we were standing before you and had something that we're afraid of, Lord, could you bring that to each person's mind right now? Lord, and whatever that is that we're holding that we may be afraid of, that we're, that is um, heavy and scary, that is causing us to have a, any fear, Lord, I pray that we would just drop that and that we would envision what what feeling your love and your healing about um, our lives would look like, just true joy, being known, being loved, being safe. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would move in the room so that each person could know the depth of that good, perfect love of yours. Lord, I just pray for your spirit of boldness. That you're calling after each one of us, each person that you created to know you and to come to you and to be loved by you. That walls would come down that we would know the goodness of life lived for you and loving others because of how you have loved us. Lord, I ask these things in your name, in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Lehul. <clears throat> really appreciate this woman and her love for Jesus, love for people. 
and her leadership here. Um, yeah, you guys, uh, so here we go. Y'all ready? Okay, thank you, Mariah. And Susie, who's somewhere in uh, space in Colorado watching. Hi, babe. And it's like, I'm used to having her right there so I can talk with her through this. Yeah, but you guys, you know, for years, so 36 years now, I've been in ministry. And for years with ministry, talking about sex was actually a really, really high priority for me. It was something, something that was really important to me personally. And that's because um, when I was 11 years old and I knew nothing had had, I didn't, I didn't, I'd never heard the word sex. I didn't know anything about sex. Completely innocent little 11-year-old boy. And I ran in, my first encounter was with hardcore pornography as an 11-year-old boy. And I had no idea what that was. And so that messes with you when that happens. And I never had a conversation with my parents about this topic. So I'm learning stuff about sex. That's my teacher, okay? And I'm not having conversations with my parents. Although actually the math book in seventh grade was really helpful too, by the way. The drawings that somebody had put in the back. I don't know if you guys saw those. <laughs> that was my other teacher uh, was the drawings in that book. But I had, had, I, I had no conversations. I felt awful felt guilty. And then I uh, get into high school and I'm sexually active in high school. Um, and I have no ammunition for why not to be. <laughs> and I didn't want to be. And yet I was. And it was so frustrating to me. So after I completely surrendered my life to Christ when I was 19, and then when I felt like God you know, called me into youth ministry, so I was working with teenagers right off the bat. Man, I can just tell you, I hit that topic hard because I knew this. I needed somebody to help me and to tell me what was true about this whole beautiful design of sex that God has given us. And so that's, it's been an important part for me, but I, I just want to tell you, um, I really do believe that today it's really different than any other time. <laughs> Then I have given this message. In fact, I went back and I actually listened to one of my messages I gave in 2018, so just five years ago. And as I was listening to that message, I was like, are you kidding me? I thought it was really good, by the way. <laughs> no, but, no but, but I remember thinking, wow, wow. Our world is different today than it was even five years ago. There has been so much advancement in the sexuality in our culture today. And here's what I know. I believe anyway, this is a much more sensitive topic than it ever has been. And so my desire, you know, I'll be honest with you. Um, if I could do anything, I would rather have a conversation with every single one of you. I wish I could actually talk to you. Because every one of us in this room and everybody who's watching this message or who will, because now it gets on the internet, um, you have a personal experience, you have a personal opinion, and it matters. So I wish that I could actually have a conversation with you. And here's the other thing I know, that if you do hold a position on this, no matter what your position is, um, if it's different than somebody else's, today, unfortunately, that almost immediately causes division. And, um, and that too is why I wish I could have a conversation because my heart, 
my heart today all week long. It's just been really heavy because um, all I can think of is what does it mean to love you today? What does it mean to love you today? How how does Jesus want to love you today? Because I want to tell you this, man, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what your sexual experience is in the past. I don't care what your struggle with it now is or what you believe about it now. Here's what's true. You are ridiculously loved by God, radically loved by God, completely, and you always will be loved by him. So how can that be the message that gets crossed today? That's my deepest passion and desire. And I want to say this, our salvation, you guys, our relationship with God, eternal life is not established or abolished by your sexuality, okay? (laughs) That's not what salvation is. And that's the other one. One of the things that so concerns my heart today is that people are having a hard time getting to Jesus because of this topic. And that breaks my heart. Our relationship with God, eternal life, and salvation is established by Jesus Christ and it's established by our faith in him and in his name. That's it. And when that happens, you guys, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ. And out of that love, what I'm hoping today is that the gift, the gift of knowing Jesus would move into this tangled, confusing, complex, powerful, wonderful awesome world of sex, okay? So, but I, 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 I actually talked through this morning with Mariah, uh, this topic, since my wife left me. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and as I did, I, I told her, I said, Mo, I, I, just wanna, I just wanna say to all of you, the reason my heart feels so sensitive this morning is, or no, it's still evening, uh, this evening, is because there's, this topic has caused a lot of pain. And, and I know this, that some of you have personal decisions that you regret, that you've been involved in, and you, you do, you carry shame and you carry guilt for this. Some of you are sexually struggling right now and you're here tonight and are watching and you have, you have addictions that you can't overcome in this area. Um, some of you are married, and sex is a huge, important part, as we're going to talk about in marriage, and you're really struggling in this area. And um, as one who does a lot of premarital and postmarital counseling, we just know this is one of the biggest areas that can be the biggest benefit, but one of the biggest destroyers of marriage. For others... Um, The pain isn't something you've done, but the pain has come from others. Some of you have been sexually coerced, you've been manipulated, you've been forced, or you've been abused. And I just know even bringing up this topic causes a lot of pain. Some of you are sitting there going, I can't believe what I've done. I can't believe what's been done to me. And I can't believe what I can't stop doing that I don't want to do. And I don't know if there's any teenagers in here, but if there is, or if you ever watch this thing, man, I, I just want to say to you, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm excited to be able to share this with you. I wish somebody would have shared this with me. And I, this is so confusing today. 
I, I think it's incredibly confusing time to live, both internally, trying to figure out what am I feeling? What am I thinking? Why am I feeling these things? There's the internal struggle, but then there's the external struggle. There are pressures in our culture today. And, um, and I, just, I just want to tell you, man, I, I, my heart goes out to you. Um, and then we navigate today, like never before, the cultural waves of the LGBTQ plus conversation. Um, some of us are in here, surely, have been struggling with same-sex attraction. That's, or not struggling with it. And have come to the reality that you, that's who you are. There's same-sex attraction. So others in our culture today, it's a personal reality of gender dysphoria. Trying to figure out what I've been biologically born with and how I feel my identity is sexually. And then there's, because of this, there's fears or experiences of being rejected, being misunderstood by those who are closest to you, by the church. Man, I know this, we've got parents whose kids are going down the LGBTQ plus road. And it's like, what do I do? How do I walk with this? How do I love my kids? How do we do this? And then, uh, or others that are just close to you because we don't understand each other. We really struggle to stand each other and we need to. And so, and then as the church, I just got to say, some of us are in here and our walls are up. When it comes to this topic, our walls are up and we just want to separate ourselves from the whole thing. And we don't want to deal with anybody who thinks differently than we do. And judgment has become a part of this conversation on both sides. The church judging the community, the community judging the church. And um, it's a mess. And so here's what I know. I don't care who you are. Unless your eyes are closed, your ears are shut, and you know what? You're not paying attention to anybody or anything. This topic is for you. It's for every single one of us in this room. And here's the good news. I am going to clear all this up in the next 30 minutes. Yeah. So we're in this series and it's called Gotta Get You Into My Life. And so as we put the series together, what it means is we're doing this because Jesus told us eternal life is that we know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. Eternal life is knowing him. And it's, again, it's not knowing about him. It is an intimate relationship with him. And the way we've been saying this, it means that we want Jesus in every part of our life. That's what eternal life is. He comes at you, share every part of life. And then we find out who Jesus is. And we're, if I'm going to know him, I can't know him and not join him in who he is. So, that, so that's what we're talking about. So obviously it's like, okay, well, if we're going to talk about eternal life and having Jesus in our life, we have to talk about putting Jesus into our sexuality. All right. And eternal life, by the way, you guys, is everything that's right. It's everything that's good. Jesus is eternal life. He's the creator and we bring him in and everything that's good and life-giving and purposeful and full of peace and joy is Christ. And he goes, I want in to every area of your life. So today, what I'm gonna do in this message is I'm gonna do my best to share the biblically, what's called, been called the biblically historical view of sexuality or the biblically um, traditional view of sexuality. 
Um, it is what we believe here at K2. Um, there is a biblically progressive view of sexuality. And if you aren't aware of that, you need to read about it. Um, where people are taking from scripture and coming up with a different view of sexuality than what is in than what has been the historical view throughout the church. And I also want to say, uh, most views in the world don't include the Bible at all. So here's what I know. I know that what I'm going to share with you today, the highest percentage of people don't agree with. And, 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 and I understand that. But this is where we're at. And I'm going to do my best today just to share that. But I just want to tell you, I, I was thinking about this message months ago and I finally, I came to our staff and I go, you guys, there is no way I can do all this in one message. There's just no way. So today, what I'm going to talk about is, is I'm going to do my best, okay? Right here's the deal, you guys. Go on the internet, go on the podcast. There's books galore. There's podcast. There's so many people out there with godly people who are writing and talking about this. If this is an important issue to you, Read it, listen to it, and learn and do the best you can. As your pastor, I just know my responsibility today is to do the best I can to share with you what I believe the historical view is from the scriptures, okay? Now, next week, because almost everybody in the culture today disagrees with this view, next week, what we're gonna talk about is how do we have that conversation? How do we have the conversation with people who think differently than we do? And how do we love, make sure that there is no judgment from us, but love and have we have that conversation, okay? So that'll be next week. And then the third week, we're actually gonna specifically look at the LGBTQ um, conversation and address that specifically. I'm not gonna do that today, but we will get to it in a couple of weeks, all right? So, I, and I, here, let me just say this again. I cannot have a conversation with you tonight. Um, I'm gonna give you a talk or a message, all right? But here's what I know. God can have a conversation with you tonight. This is how he works. I'm gonna share his scripture and I'm gonna speak and I'm asking every one of you, will you be listening though for his voice? Because he does love you. And this topic matters to him for you. So listen to him and let him speak to you because he is gonna have a conversation with you. And I'm praying and trusting. I've been praying for you all week long, longer than that. And trusting that as you open your heart, you'll hear his voice. All right, there's my intro. You guys ready? Here we go. Very first words in the Bible. In the beginning, God created all right? And everything that he created was good. This is, very, this is core to the Christian faith. Our belief is that God is the creator. And as the creator, he alone knows the reality or the truth of his creation. That's, just, that's what we believe. In fact, the scriptures tell us in Colossians, in Jesus, in Jesus by Jesus, and for Jesus, everything was created, all right? And that means sexuality. If he's created everything, then he has created sex. This is actually his idea, and we believe that. Now, right here, so we just, this is where we start, right here. 
we're going to have completely different views with people. Because if somebody doesn't believe that there's a creator, that there's no God that should actually center our lives around. When I think about that, it makes total sense to me why you try to be true to yourself. <laughs> and you, you, you're, just, you're left to figure that out. And, and so I, it makes sense to me why we have differing views on this because it goes right down to the core is, is there a creator and is there a God who has created it? And is it good? And if it is, and we do believe that as followers of Jesus, that's where my view is gonna come from today, all right? So Genesis chapter 2, 23 and 24 says, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she will be called woman for she was taken out of a man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now in Ephesians, when this scripture was used in the New Testament, here's what Paul called that right there. He said, this is a profound mystery. <laughs> okay, so let's, and again, when I thought about this message today, I'm just going, no wonder this is so mysterious. The Bible tells us a man and a woman becoming one flesh is a profound mystery. This topic of sexual union within the context of a marriage is profound. So that's what I want to talk about. So what's the mystery? And, and you guys, there's so much that we could talk about, obviously, in this, even from the biblical perspective. I'm going to base my teaching here tonight on this. And it's the principle of oneness. I want to talk to you tonight. I, what makes sense to me about God's design for marriage and sexuality is this mystery of oneness. Ephesians 1, chapter 8 and 10 says this, with all wisdom, with all wisdom and understanding, God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. Okay? Unity and oneness is the very mystery of God that he purposed in Christ, the very purpose of Christ by God's will and his pleasure. The whole reason Jesus came because God's intention is to bring oneness, to unite everything in heaven and earth under Jesus. And what's interesting is we get to the passage where it talks about this, a man and a woman becoming one flesh. And he says, this is a profound ministry, mystery, not ministry, profound mystery. It's in the context of this greater message that with all wisdom and understanding, God is trying to tell us through all of creation and through so many different ways, he's all about taking diversity and bringing it in, in to unity. And that's the essence of him, all right? So look at this, Matthew chapter 19, verses four through six. And here's when we talk about Jesus I want to get you into my life and I want to bring you into my sexuality. Well, here's what Jesus says in chapter Matthew 19. He says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife. 
okay? Now let me say again, we'll address this in two weeks, okay? <laughs> this idea that God created a male and female and that for that reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And we'll, 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 we'll dive in big in two weeks. But look as he keeps going. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. This union, united, is God's idea. It's his, it's his design, and it's actually his work. Jesus himself says, what God has joined together, okay? So the purpose here, again, is union. It's taking two people and making them one. And he joins them together. And that right there, that joining together, that covenant union is what has been defined as marriage. God taking two and making them one and consummating it through the sexual act. One flesh, okay? One flesh is not just physical. It's not. The scriptures, all through scripture, when it talks about flesh, it means the whole person. It's the whole person. It's no longer two. There's a binding, both of body, soul, and spirit. A part of your person, this is crazy, man. A part of your person is now one with the other. And so what God, the creator, wants us to think, believe, and act within is that the power of sex is to bind two people together. It's not just a body connection, it's a soul connection. And here's, the, and here's what's important. And that's true with anyone. See, it's true with anyone. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.16. It says, do you not know that he who unites himself, so there's the same word, he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body, for it is said, the two will become one flesh. This is the mystery. This is a profound mystery that God has actually created the sexual experience to be something that takes two people and binds them together as one. And this is why it's supposed to be happening only within the context of marriage. When I was working with high school kids and I talked about this, I would always say God created sex to be super glue. He created sex to be super glue. I'm going to totally date myself here and some of you. How many of you remember the super glue commercial with the construction guy with the, with the helmet? You guys remember this? <laughs> so if, for those of you who are too young, this guy, he was a construction worker, worker and he had a helmet and he had this metal piece on top and they put super glue on it. And then they would connect his helmet to this steel beam and he would hang in the air up in the construction thing. And the whole point was, you put this super glue together, it's going to stick together. The word united, both when God is uniting the husband and the wife and when a person has sexual relations with someone outside their marriage, they're united. That word actually means to glue. It means to cement. So it's not nail, right? Because you, you could nail something together and then you could pull the nail out. But when things are glued together, when you actually are one together, when that gets separated, 
part of the other person or the other thing will come with you. And this is what guys, you guys, this is the power of sex. It's like nuclear power. power. Nuclear power has the power to light up a whole city, to give life to a whole city. And nuclear power has the power to destroy a whole city. And we know this about sex, you guys, because again, sex experienced in ways that are not in God's design is often extremely painful. It, it can destroy things. Past relationships sexually or extramarital relationships, binding yourself with other people is always harmful within the context of the, of the marriage relationship. And again, if you've been coerced or forced or manipulated or abused, we all know this. The pain is not physical. It is, it can be. But the pain is deep. It's emotional. This powerful thing that God has given us can be used for evil or it can be used for good. And so it's supposed to be experienced within one person in the covenant of marriage so it can bind those people together. Now, here's what's crazy is, um, by the way, this is why I love science. And I, and I know that people say, you know, that, that fathers of Christ or Christians are like anti-science. I am so not anti-science. <laughs> and here's what I love about science. So many times what science discovers, they're just discovering the creation. And then when they discover things about the creation, it's like, oh my gosh, this totally fits with what God has been saying. So now science gives us some insight into sex. So what happens when you have sex? There's this hormone called dopamine. Anybody know about dopamine? Yeah, you should. Yes, we love dopamine. <laughs> dopamine is the pleasure chemical that's released inside your brain. And it is great pleasure. This was God's idea. He wanted the sexual union to be something that was powerful and pleasurable. And it's the same thing that happens in our body that happens with drugs. It gives us euphoric experience. But the other um, hormone is so interesting called oxytocin. Do you guys know about oxytocin? Oxytocin is actually called the cuddle hormone, as some people call it. Other people call it the bonding hormone hormone. And it's released during sex. And this is crazy. Science is showing now that when this hormone is released, it actually strengthens social bonding. It's the same hormone that's released when a woman is breastfeeding her baby. So that bonding happens between the two. So this is crazy. So here's a quote. When you're first becoming intimate, you're releasing lots of dopamine and oxytocin. That's creating a link between the neural systems that are processing your facial cues, your voice, and the reward system of your partner's brain. So basically what's happening? When you're having sex, pleasure systems are going off in your brain and reward systems. By the way, if you're getting pleasure and reward, what do you want? More! <laughs> Isn't that great? Don't we have a great God? God literally has created us that when we have this experience, this, it's rewarding and it's pleasurable. But what's crazy, listen to this. Under the influence of oxytocin, two areas of the brain responsible for feelings of reward and pleasure lit up when a man saw his partner's face. Isn't that incredible? 
See, what happens with this, with this hormone, it actually bonds you and connects you with the other person. And now, this God is so good. You don't even have the sex. You just have to see, all I have to do is see Susie's face. Boom. And it lights up within me. And that's why God is saying, I created this for you. This was my gift to you. So that when you find the one person that you made a covenant with to live for the rest of your life, I'm going to consummate it with the sexual experience. And I've given you the very physical. Now science is discovering what God has been saying. It's to make you one. I, I, I really, you guys, I, I, I think God's, well, he's pretty amazing. And I think what he was saying is, hey, when you stood at the altar and you said death, do a death until death do us part, I think God said, good. Now get in bed and have some sex and I'm gonna release chemicals in your brain to help you to bind and just to look and to feel bonded with the other person. This was God's idea. So why? When I look at this whole thing and I've tried to figure out why in the world would God design this idea of sex? It's for oneness, all right? Now let me show you the second thing. That's, this is fascinating to me. And that's the mystery of eternal life. The mystery of eternal life. In Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Two becoming one flesh is the mystery of marriage, but it's also the mystery of how Christ and the church are one. And here's what I know, you guys, all through scripture, marriage has been the picture. I'm, I'm reading Ezekiel right now. Oh my goodness. There are some passages in Ezekiel that are so sexual, it's unbelievable. And all through the Old Testament, God and the Israelites' relationship is shown by metaphor through marriage. Jesus and the church. Marriage is the metaphor or the picture of our relationship with Christ. And if you read the book of Revelation, at the consummation of all of history, what is it? It's a wedding feast between Christ and his bride, the church. Colossians 1, 26 says this, the mystery, okay? What a profound mystery. The mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to God's people, the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Whoever's united with the Lord. It's the same terminology. Uh, you guys, God has given the idea of marriage and sexuality and the sexual experience, this oneness of one flesh, so we could understand, oh my goodness, this is how one I actually am with Jesus. And that's eternal life. Eternal life is knowing him this intimately. So now, now so this, what I'm gonna share with you now 
years ago, I just, I was meditating on this. I'm thinking about this and I'm going, how is marriage and the sexual union a picture of Christ in the church? So I'm just going to share this with you and, um, and because it's, it's a fascinating to me, but think about this. In the covenant of marriage, a woman's body is made to receive a man. And a man is made to go into the woman. And then he gives his life to her. And there's conception and there's a new life. That's what happens through the sexual union. And then the scripture says, that's a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. And I sat there and I thought, isn't this interesting? John chapter one, verse 12 says, yet to all who receive him. So the first thing is we receive Christ. He actually comes into our life. Colossians 1.27, which I just read, the glorious riches of this mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then what happens? He gives us his life. 1 John 3.9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. You know what that word for seed is? It's the word for sperm. So the scriptures, again, are trying to help us understand. When you receive Christ, God literally puts his DNA inside of you. And we become, lastly, a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, whoever is in Christ, the new creation has come. John 1.13, we are children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but we are born of God. The miracle of two people coming together and conceiving and creating a life, God's like going, that's exactly what happens with you and me. You receive me, I give you my life, and you become a new creation, and you're my child forever. So Caleb and Mariah are over here, my two kids. So isn't it, here's what's fascinating. Those guys right there are one cell from me and one cell from Susie. And they came together, these two, we, the two of us came together and created new creations right there. And here's what's amazing about you two is I can't come over there and go, oh, there's my DNA, take that out of you. And here's, it's like, no, you are one. You are one being. You guys, this is the mystery of eternal life is that you are united with Christ. You are in him and he is in you. And just like you guys can never be anything, but my children, once you receive Christ, he says, you are in me and I am in you and you're mine. You guys, that's eternal life right there. And so the reason, when I look at the scriptures, the reason that marriage matters, the reason that sex matters is because God was saying, that's the picture that I want you to understand about my relationship with you. I want you to know as secure as Caleb Eric Nelson will never be anything but Caleb Eric Nelson. That's how secure you can be when you know that you received me and I gave you my life and my seed is in you and you're my child. That's a beautiful thing. So the mystery of oneness, the mystery of eternal life. So now let's just talk for a second here about the mystery of God's wisdom. 
So why does God say this is how it's supposed to be? Hebrews 13, four says this. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So there's two things here. Adultery, we understand. That means a man is sleeping with another man's wife or a woman is sleeping with another man's wife. Somehow you guys, are, you're okay. We all know what adultery is, all right? But that's not the only sin. Sure, it's in the 10 commandments. But God is saying, but all, all sexual immorality. And what's interesting, that word in the Greek is porneo, which obviously we get our word pornography from. So it's any sexual activity that's actually outside of marriage. And God says, I have wisdom on this. And I will actually judge any adultery or sex outside of marriage. What does that mean? God's gonna come in and say, hey guys, you may think this, but I'm the only judge and I'm the creator. And I want you to know, cause I love you with all of my heart. I will judge and this is not of me. I created sex and it's wonderful and beautiful and powerful to unite you with someone in marriage. Anything outside that is not my will, okay? So God's wisdom, you guys, is always to provide for us and it's always to protect us. This is the stuff I wish somebody would have told me when I was a teenager right here, okay? Let's look at this. Let's talk about protecting yourself. 1 Corinthians 6, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So what scripture is telling us is somehow in the sexual activity, there's something happening to our bodies. So I thought about this, researched this. What, what could that mean? How do I sin against my own body? You know, one guy is, is just basic sexually transmitted diseases. Can I, can I just be totally honest with you? Like back in the 90s and stuff, man, we would talk about sexually transmitted diseases. I never even hear that. Anybody else ever hear that talked about it anymore? I just felt like it wasn't, is this not even a big deal anymore? So I looked it up and the CDC actually saying the overall number of reported STDs has been on the rise since 2014 and it shows no signs of slowing down. The U.S. <laughs> Leandra Mena is the director of CDC's division of STD prevention, says this, the U.S. STI epidemic shows no signs of slowing and the reasons for the ongoing and the reasons for the ongoing increases are multifaceted. So, I, and I'm not going to get into that, but I, I had no idea that this was still going on and a big issue, and it's actually increasing. So, one way this, when you sin sexually against your own body is through these diseases. But you guys, I think that one of the most important things is how it affects our brain. You are putting memories into your brain of someone was isn't your spouse. And, and I just know for me, I think that was one of the most, the, one of the greatest regrets I had after I really gave my life to Christ is I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't 
get this person out of my mind. These, these, these memories, you affect your body and it affects your brain. And I just remember, I, I think one of the biggest graces that God gave me was I didn't find Susie till I was 34. And you know what I did from 19 to 34 was I fought to be as pure as possible. And I got good news. Jesus can heal your memories. But one of the reasons God is saying, don't do this to your body. Because what you're doing to your brain is you're putting other people in there. And now you have comparisons that should never be within your marriage. And then we also know this, the sex drive is affected as well. It harms the sex drive. Dopamine and oxytocin levels need to be increased. And so this leads to addictions. So sexual addictions have happened because of sex outside of God's design. And then you need more of it. Or the lack of sexual drive. Fascinating article I read by a gal who works at a secular university. It wasn't Christian at all. They weren't trying to do anything about Jesus. She was just saying that the young gals at college are coming to her and their main concerns are the young guys don't have sexual drive. Why? Because of the sexual activity that's happening outside of marriage. Whether that's with other people or whether that's by oneself with pornography, it's messing with your body. And here's the other thing. All of that sexual activity is actually selfish. And when that becomes the pattern of what you do and what sex was for was just to please you, and now you get into marriage, and it's all in God's design about pleasing the other person. There's so much sexual problems in marriage because it's like we didn't keep ourselves, we didn't train ourselves to say no to ourselves and instead live it for somebody else. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. God's wisdom is, hey, don't do this. Don't harm your own body, all right? But also, you guys, God wants you to protect those around you. First Thessalonians 4 says this, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own bodies in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. It is God's will for every one of us. But what does he say here? So that no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. If God's design for sexuality was for two people in the covenant of marriage to be bonded together, and you're sexually involved with someone who's not your spouse, that when it says no one should wrong, you know what the word means? It means to go over, to overstep. You've overstepped. So what that means is what? She's not yours. He's not yours. And you overstepped and that's wrong. Why is it wrong? Because she's probably going to be somebody else's wife someday. 
And this was the piece of it. So what's the scripture saying? Don't wrong her by putting your sexual activity with her in her marriage bed. The last thing she's gonna want when she has found her husband is you in that bed with her. And not only did you wrong her, you wronged her husband and you robbed from him. You took from him. And that's the second word. You don't wrong somebody. And then it says, or take advantage of. And take advantage means to overreach, to seek, to get more, to take what's not yours. Taking advantage, making unfair use of for one's own benefit. So you guys, God's design is so good. And he's saying, I care for you. I love you. I want your marriage to be everything that it was meant to be. So don't get involved in sexual immorality because it affects your own body and your own struggles. But also you will wrong, you will step over, you will take from somebody else what is not yours. And you actually harm your brother or your sister. So the mystery of oneness, the mystery of, the, of, of eternal life, and the mystery of God's wisdom. It's all good. It's all because he loves us and he wants us to understand who he is and he wants us to experience oneness with each other. So the last thing I just want to share is this, is then the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel. Sexual thoughts, sexual feelings, sexual desires, sexual drives. I remember when I was still single, my brother-in-law one time told me, he goes, Dave, God never intended us to be strong in this area. He gave us the drive, but he did intend us to be wise. So those thoughts, feelings, desires, and drives, but outside of God's design, then it's just like any others. Same as other thoughts about money or about time or about forgiveness or about jealousy or about slander. If you, and by the way, and so what I want to say is this, you guys, if God is saying to us, you better get this sex thing right or I won't love you, then we're all in trouble. That is not what he's saying. I chose this one verse for the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And here's, here's, how I want, here's how I want to end today. I, I just want to remind us, you guys, um, God loves us so much. He is not saying, get this right so that you and I can be in relationship. He goes, give me exactly who you are. Give me exactly who you are. I want to tell you this right now. God doesn't love who he wants you to be. God loves you right now, exactly as you are. And I believe that every one of us in this room needs God's help when it comes to this issue of sexuality. And what we need is we need God to take anything that's not of God, that's all sin is, anything that's not of God. And he, Jesus says, God says, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us. What that means is when Jesus came, he said, literally, I will take everything that's in you that's not of me, that's not right, and I will take it inside myself and I'll make it mine. Your sin, Jesus says, becomes mine. 
let me have it. Let me forgive it and let me toss it aside. And in place of that, you can become the righteousness of God. You actually can live in God's beautiful design that he has for you. So let me, as I was thinking through this gospel, here's a, here's a few things. Today, if you're feeling shame, I don't know, or guilt, I did. I used to feel so much shame and guilt for the decisions that I have made. Then you need to know today that God is telling you, I will absolutely forgive you. I totally forgive you of everything you've ever done and I will cleanse you. Let me become sin for you. Let me take it from you into myself. And then I will cleanse you so you can become the righteousness of God. I, I, I just know this. Some of you are feeling feelings of rejection when it comes to this issue of sexuality. And I just want to tell you the gospel, please listen to me. The good news and the message of Jesus is I will accept you exactly as you are. Okay? Scripture even tells us, accept one another as Christ has accepted you. When we were, here's, here's my favorite verse in all of scripture, says that just the right time, when we were powerless, when we were ungodly, and while we were sinning, it says it was just the right time for God to show us his love and give his life for us. If you think you have to clean yourself up or change who you are to get God to love you, that is the exact opposite of his message to you. This message right here is you come to me, powerless, ungodly, sinning. He goes, and that's when I'll give my life to you. That blows us away. But that's the gospel and that's the good news. Some of you are needing healing because you have had sin done to you in this area. And I just want to tell you, the gospel again is good news. God can take not only the sin you've done, he can take the sin that's been done to you and he can bring it into himself and he can bring healing. Some of you are struggling to overcome sin. Can't do it. And it's so frustrating. You are the epitome of Romans chapter seven, right? Why do I do the thing I don't want to do? And why don't I do the very thing I want to do? And you are stuck in this. That chapter ends with thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. And if you need to know that I'm, that I'm strong, I can't do this. He says, I will take your sin into myself so that you can become the righteousness of God. And that becoming, you guys, is a journey. It's a process. None of us are perfect. Oh my God, I'm not perfect. But I'm on a journey and I'm on a process of becoming more like him. That's the gospel. And then some of us have judgment. We have walls of judgment up. I, I just want to really talk to the church here for a second. And um, you can't love people who think differently than you. Talking to somebody again this week where they just said, I can't believe the Facebook posts that still go out who are friends of mine and the hatred that's in there towards people who believe differently sexually. Hey guys, if that's you, that's not the righteousness of God. Oh my gosh, we've, we've forgotten. What were we doing when Jesus came and rescued us except living in ways that weren't like him? And if we're gonna be the righteousness of God, then we need to walk into the world 
standing for what we believe, but doing it with love. And for some of you today, your greatest need of the gospel is to humble you and stop thinking that you have any righteousness of your own that makes you better than another person. And instead, the gospel brings you right down here with everybody else. So the world who needs to know Jesus will not be separated from him over this issue. And you need the gospel and you need him to change your heart. And then some of us, maybe most of us, you might want to come up. Some of us, we don't, we don't know how to navigate. And look, can we just be honest? I don't. How in the world do we navigate what's going on in me? I don't know how to navigate what's going on in me. And I don't know how to navigate what's going on outside of me in this culture. And I just want to tell you guys, Jesus, the gospel, the good news is Jesus will come to you and he'll say, hey, I will help you. I will give you the wisdom you need so that you can navigate your own desires and your own feelings and the culture in this world. Here's what I know. Every one of us in this room, we all need his help. Amen? We all need his help. Every one of us. So how we're going to close today is this. Um, we, we were meeting as a team, and I, I just know uh, whenever we've had this topic, it's like some, sometimes we just, man, we want to be here just to pray with you. If you need God's grace for forgiveness or strength or hope or acceptance or a loving heart, whatever it is. And so we thought, we'll just open it up for people to come here. And then actually, you know, Diego and we were sitting there and he just said, man, Dave, he goes, I just picture, he goes, this is not just an individual issue. This is the church's issue. This is all of our issue. So actually what, I, what I'd like to do, would you all just stand up with me just for a second? And uh, we're, we're actually gonna have a time of confession together, okay? We're all, we're actually gonna, we're actually gonna do this as a community because when I said, How, we all need help on this, y'all said, yeah, we do. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm actually gonna come down and I'm gonna ask all of you as well to come down. And we're just gonna fill up the front of this church and we're gonna be in this together, okay? And one of the beautiful things, the reason we're doing this, even these guys are gonna, we just wanna be able to focus up here and we wanna look at Jesus and we wanna say, hey, Jesus, we believe that you are eternal life. And I need you, I need you to come in to my heart on this issue of sexuality. Again, whether it's because you have shame or guilt or whether it's because you have sin or whether it's because you're confused or whether it's because your heart is hard towards people who are different than you, I don't know what your issue is, but we're, all of us are gonna say, we're, you know what, God, please help K2, at least please help just us to represent you really well in the world, but we need you to help us do it. All right. So let's all come down here. Just come on down. And I'm going to, I'm going to come down here with you and let's just fill up this area. Get up, get up in front of the pews as much as you can together.